So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. To episode 53 of the Running Rugby Podcast. I'm Archie, here to lead you through as always. And sitting next to me, can you believe it, it's Toby. How you going, man? Yeah, I made it home, Arch. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, I'm excited for a big weekend of rugby coming up and it's good to be here with you boys. Is it feeling the jet lag? No, I'm, I'm over it this time. It's taken a few days, but I'm feeling good. Got a beer in my hand, so hopefully I don't fall asleep. I'll do my best. <laughs> we'll try and keep you awake. And on the other side of Toby, we have Leo. A bit heavier than usual. He's got a little one strapped to him, but he's here, committed to the pod. That's very true, Arch. Looking after <laughs> the little one today, but we'll, we'll push through. She's asleep. Well, uh, hopefully she'll stay that way. And as always, we've got an absolutely packed episode on the Running Rugby podcast for you. Everything from Super Rugby, as always, and Rapid Rugby. But we also have... Uh, the end of the season in Major League Rugby coming up, as well as the Under-20s Rugby World Cup kicking off as well. But we'll start with a bit of news, and probably the biggest thing came up just after we published our episode last week, and that was the World Cup jerseys for the Wallabies that have been revealed. Uh, big showing in Sydney over the weekend, and boys, I kind of get the feeling that a few of you aren't really a fan of this one. Yeah, I, I don't like the collar personally. I, that's my biggest issue with it, I think. In terms of some of the changes they've made in terms of the fit of the, the jersey. So some of the, yeah, some of the grip stuff on the chest is I'm sure it's gonna help the players in a lot of different ways, but I don't I'm not too impressed with the fact that ASICs is, have come out with two pretty substandard jerseys, I think, for consecutive World Cups. I think it's better than the South African one. They've done the ASICs have been in charge of that as well, but still think if we go back to that, you know, more pure orangey gold and green collar and just keep it simple I think that's the way to go yeah the the way they are gradually transitioning to more more of like a t-shirt looks much more like a, a soccer jersey than a rugby jersey with a with a full collar or even just the, the short collar that we've seen in the super jerseys mm. uh, maybe back 2014-15 even that's a negative I think I would rather have that collar the the neckline with the the way the color the, the green is on the neckline it's to me, it looks like these superhero um, body body armor sort of mm. neckline. Like it's it just supposed, you know, it's supposed to reflect strength. Like that extra thickness is just like the the strength, or it accentuates, I suppose, the chest a bit. I don't think we're supposed to notice the grippy stuff that much. I'm sure that's not part of the design. It's just you notice it because it can't be invisible. But mm. yeah, I'd, I'd rather have the collar narrow that that green. The yeah, more slimline collar. Yeah, but I the lycra, think... the fact that it's like lycra and fitted doesn't doesn't bother. No, me. and we're, when we're a long way from cotton jerseys. Maybe maybe there should be some sort of you know for a fan perspective wearing that jersey around you take the grip off it. Because I think they might have two versions of it. Yeah, a fan I'm version pretty sure they will have version. a supporters version. But yeah, there's a bit of shine to that badge as well. Mm. They've changed the the logo, and you got the wallaby actually on the shoulder, I think. What do we think of the away jersey though? Like that's I. I think that looks better. I think it looks better. Yeah, yeah it's 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 definitely it, different and it's interesting and I appreciate 
the the reason why they've tried to incorporate that indigenous design yeah. element into it. Um, I don't know if it's the best indigenous jersey no, they've put out. It's not as good as the, the, one the original. The original one. Yeah. The original is still the best. So if you own an original indigenous jersey, count yourself very lucky because I think that will stand up as for for the long term That's as it. a really good jersey. And but, luckily, I think they're still available those original ones, but. I think having the indigenous design on the away jerseys actually distracts from that collar a little bit. And that's um, why you like it more. That's why I like it more. And I like the fact that there's been some acknowledgement of, you know, indigenous players for the Wallabies by doing this. Mm. People wanted it to be for the home jersey, have the indigenous mm. design. But they've kind of met halfway on this and you never know, maybe next World Cup take it the full way, but well, now it's good. The difference is this time, like last World Cup, they didn't wear the away jersey for any game. In this, we know they're confirmed to wear it against Uruguay. And potentially they're looking at incorporating it if they make quarters um, to be wearing it in one of the quarters or semi-finals, which isn't confirmed yet. Mm. Presumably, I don't know if there's a way we can. There must be a way where it can fall out. We come up against South Africa, in which case we would not be wearing that because yeah, that well, would look almost like the South Africans. So that yeah, would be exactly. the only obstacle there. The other news that we've heard only really came out today is more news in this for Lausag. We thought it was put to bed, but... It appears that he may be seeking actual formal legal action uh, to be announced in the coming days on, on the terms of what his positions have been happening. Yeah, so it sounds like he's going to challenge the, the termination on a couple of grounds, but they're, they're still centrally uh, focused on this terminating as, as a, a result of discrimination against the player mm. for his religion, which, I don't know, I, felt like, I feel like I've read enough articles... And, and perspectives on this in the last few weeks, I feel like the, they're missing the point. I'm, I'm pretty sure Rugby Australia has constructed their argument for termination centrally around actions taken by the player which are in breach of the contract. They, they haven't framed it as a religious discrimination thing, obviously they wouldn't want to, but um, I, I just don't see how it's not a breach of contract. And the issue with this, I, I guess it stretches out... Um this whole saga again. Yeah, that's... Um, this could go for years in the courts. I mean, leading into a World Cup, this is the last thing you want. We were hoping that Falau would just kind of put it to bed, move on. Um, but I think he still wants that money. He wants to have that contract um, fulfilled financially. Um, and he feels that he's being discriminated against. So he's well within his rights to do this, but I can see it getting ugly and it's, it's not a good thing for rugby. No, definitely not for rugby in Australia. As you said, poor, really poor timing especially for his Super Rugby club, the Waratahs, having still some hope of getting into the finals after results from the weekend. Mm. And this just throws another sort of spanner in the works for them. But moving on, there's also was the final wrap-up on the weekend of the English Gallagher Premiership and Saracens. They got two from two. Mm. Alex Good, is he going to be back in the pub in full kit? Well, he's actually gone for the nun outfit this time, I think. He's, he hasn't stuck with wearing the kit for another 48 or 72 hours. He's changed <laughs> it up, um, which I think is good. You know, he's done that one time, famous for that, and moved on. Um, Saracens, another great win for them. They've, they've done the European and the local championship there. Um, Exeter were in this game, I think, by halftime. They were still leading, and I had hopes that Exeter will come through. Would have been a nice win for, say, Nick White and Dave Dennis and some of the other guys over there in Exeter, but... Saracen's too strong and Will Skelton playing a central role in that win, yep. uh, which is good to see. And there's rumblings that he's going to be back, maybe for the World Cup. Will Skelton, yeah, but as Rugby Australia have come out and 
I think it was yesterday, Raylene Castle was pretty firm that the Giddo law will not was, be changed. Well, it was she said it was discussed at length with a whole range of people who it would affect and, and uh, you know, elder statesmen, players and administrators, and they were pretty certain they got it right. It sounds like a very long shot that they would bring anyone back and, and break their own rule. Well, the, the law states that he would have to sign a two-year deal with Australian Rugby to which become eligible, could still happen. Which could still happen. I don't. It doesn't sound like they're going to change the no. actual way the law is constructed. Yeah, but we've seen like Nick White has signed a two-year deal with Australian Rugby, yet to sign a deal with Super Rugby, but will make him eligible. Yeah, and I mean, if Will Skelton wants to play one more year for Saracens, he can probably structure the deal similar to what Matt Tamua did to finish finish up with the English club and then move over maybe mid-Super Rugby season. Mm. But I think he will need that deal in place from next year. It won't be a case of having it in place from 2021 or something like that. Um, so it is still quite stringent, the rules on this. Even so, like the, I, I'd still like what they've put in place with the two-year. I think what we talked about a few pods ago with the whole... You know, World Cup year, things should build into that. Players want to be in our systems, in with our coaches at a super level and not just flying in like Tamua. I think the two-year contract thing is smart because it gives you the opportunity to let the guys go off and, and travel and play in other competitions, learn something over a season or two and then come back for the year or two leading into a World Cup. It just works with the four-year cycle and like we'd said at the time, more partnerships with clubs in the Northern Hemisphere and the Japanese competition I think would be really valuable. So, And it's a case of not getting greedy. I find myself thinking, oh, let's scrap this. Um, let's just bring in everyone we can and have the yeah. best team we can. But the whole design of this rule it was to stop that from happening and having players come back last minute and well, get chosen it. for the Wallabies. So, you know, in other years, maybe it's less important. This year, it's very important. But we get desperate... We don't want to just, you know, scrap the law and, and kind of ruin some of the good work we put in place already. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen these players, even though they may be playing very well in Europe, like Matt Tamua came back in last year and was very excited about him. I don't think he particularly performed to an outstanding level that made it seem that he really changed everything. No, not at all. And I, I, I have my reservations about how well Nick White will do. I, I think he's a good player. Um, but he was a fringe wallaby um, the whole time that he was playing for the Brumbies. So I think it's still... He shouldn't be guaranteed a place in the World Cup squad. Um, you know, he'd be the third choice halfback probably. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult because these guys succeed in Europe. I think the standard is still slightly lower than Super Rugby. So it is probably easier for these guys to shine through a little bit more. I think Luke Jones has done particularly well early in the season... Tamua yet to see anything really, really positive from him. But yeah, he's had limited opportunities. It's going to be interesting to see which what they do with this because I think they need to address this thing with Skelton. That's it. Maybe even guys like Naira Voro that could potentially be tempted to come back. Yeah. Well, let's, let's keep moving. And before we get back into Super Rugby, and it was a bit of another crazy round and it keeps tossing up what's happening in playoffs, but we had the Under-20s Rugby World Cup and it was starting off over the last couple of days and this is a big event because Australia really hasn't done that well in the under-20s for several years. Sort of around 7th or 6th is sort of the highest positions they've really been able to stop at. But there's big wraps on this team. Obviously, they beat the Junior All Blacks uh, earlier this year. And so that was a bit of a major win for them as well. They started off their campaign versus Italy last night and managed the win. 36-12. Uh, to 12. 
uh, which was a good sort of win, got the bonus point. And they're in a pool with Ireland, England, as well as Italy. So they've got another game coming up versus Ireland, uh, who beat England, actually, 42-26. So a tough game and really will show a bit more of their medal. But people standing out for them. And the coverage of this has been pretty good. I think with a bit of success and people getting excited about them beating the All Blacks or Junior All Blacks earlier in the year, like there's a lot more focus on this team. Um, they're still, they've got some players in there that are contracted to Super Rugby teams. We've seen a lot of Isaac Lucas. Um, he looked really good in this game as well. Will Harrison at fly half showed yeah. some good speed, setting up plenty of tries, and yeah, it looks like a real prospect for, for the, the War- Waratahs. By the Waratahs, yeah. Yeah, so there's some really good players coming through there, and they are getting picked up by Super, super Rugby teams. So you'll see them, you know, start of next year, probably going to see quite a few of these guys come in. That's it. In other results from that, uh, South Africa defeated Scotland 43-19, Wales defeated Argentina, Argentina, the host nation, 30-25, New Zealand defeated Georgia 45-13, and France, the defending champions, defeated Fiji 36-20. But that's right, Australia vs Ireland, Saturday night on 11.30, and I think it's actually on Fox Sports, uh, if you do want to watch that one live. But let's get into the round of Super Rugby over the weekend, and... It's the third last round, and things are still really shocking us this week. But uh, we started off uh, with the first Australian game, Derby down in Melbourne. The Rebels taking on the Waratahs. Me and Toby were present at this one. Bit of a wet day in Melbourne, a bit of rain around, but it cleared up for the game. But the Tars came to town, and they did it in Sydney. Now they've done it in Melbourne, 20-15. to 15, They take the win. Yeah, interesting crowd here. And our first time in Amy Park, I think, Arch, was your first time as well. Yeah. Um, interesting stadium, very impressive from the outside. Um, you're the pretty bubbles. close, yeah. It lit bubbles. up nicely, and there was a bit of an atmosphere coming in there. Not a huge crowd. I'm not sure what the numbers were, but I reckon it was around ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're pretty close to the action there, and I'm interested to see. We're going to go up to Bankwest next week, so I'd be interested to compare those stadiums now that the SFS is gone. Um, but we enjoyed this one. It's a bit of a weird game. A lot of kicking in it. Yeah. I'm um, not the most inter- entertaining spectacle. Um, but again, I think you saw the Waratahs kind of dominate a little bit here and Rebels couldn't really get their flow on. Scored some tries, but, you know, they weren't in full flight, um, which was disappointing for us. But I think Foley outplayed Quaid and probably Bill outplayed DHP a little bit. So Tars still have the wood on the Rebels a bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good rivalry developing there, especially with the Rebels' strength and the number of Wallabies in that side. Yeah, it looks to me like the, the turnovers were just too... Too high for the Rebels. They had some go forward, but losing the ball at critical points. And uh, annoyingly, like I'm, I'm very much when we did the, the, the voting for our Wallaby 15, I was I was definitely hitting the Quaid over Foley button just to um, sort of inject some extra excitement, extra uh, creativity into that um, number 10 position. But it seems like Foley's doing the right things in the pressure moments, and that's mm-hmm. two out of two. He's... He showed up Quaid, so I'd be very surprised now if Checker opts to bring Quaid out of the out of the wilderness. In effect, uh, even though he's had a good Super Rugby season, I don't think he's going to usurp Bernard Foley at number ten. It's yeah. Don't you think, Arch? In terms of like rugby championship, you can probably still make you can test the water a little bit with those guys, but I'm not sure he's going to do it. Foley's not in perfect form either, but he's doing enough. Yeah, I don't think... I think your first hit out, you're definitely not going to see Quaid get the first sort of keys to the kingdom with that. And it'll be a real question of 
whether, as you say, he's not really a player that you keep on the bench and how much time he's going to get if you don't really start him. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing in this game, though, we were sort of keep talking about the Waratahs forward pack and we had the Rebels bringing back in a few other big names and we really thought that's where they would the Rebels would have dominance and they just didn't. The Tars shut them down. They stopped a lot of their go forward. Izzy Nasirani had a whole bunch of carries. I think he had 16 carries for the games, but minimal metres really on that. And the tackling, especially young guys like Lockie Swinton for the Tars, uh, stood up and really shut down a lot of these big ball runners for the Rebels. Yeah, Lockie Swinton was huge. Like that first 20 minutes, he was, he was everywhere and he was having a big impact, driving guys back, um, not, not letting them cross the game line. Like That's a really impressive performance for a guy who's definitely trying to break his way into that regular back three and has a lot of competition, much like at the Rebels. So good, good to see those younger guys stepping up and taking opportunities. Yeah, and without Jack Dempsey there, I think he's really he's coming through and filling those shoes a little bit. Um, Wells made a lot of tackles. We didn't see him carry the ball much. Um, Hoops was everywhere as usual. And look, the Tars continue to surprise a little bit. Every time we think, look, the, the Rebels should get something done, they should win a game, they seem to fall a little bit short. And it's coming true the same as last year. They, they had a hot start and they really stumbled. So disappointing from our perspective. And do we think... I mean, look at the points scored in this game. It was definitely, you know, big defence uh, from both sides. But it, it, either of these two teams in any sort of form to challenge the true contenders to Super Rugby, um, like the Crusaders, the Hurricanes when they're on, a Bulls at home, mm. or a Brumbies at home for that matter. Brumbies have had a lot of points at home. They've been very successful in their fortress. I mean, the Rebels did beat the Brumbies at home at the, right at the start of the year. You could probably argue that's a bit of a different team. But other than that... Uh, you'd say they're probably not. And they haven't really, in this season, challenged those teams because... the Waratahs beat Crusaders, though. But I guess, yeah, yeah Waratahs without restraints. But if you look just at the Rebels, they've beaten the Brumbies. They've beaten... The Brumbies twice, sorry. They've beaten, they've beaten the Reds twice. They've beaten the Sunwolves twice. And they've beaten the Highlanders. And that's it. Yeah, they haven't... They haven't beaten any South African teams. They've lost to two South African teams at home. They've lost in South Africa... And they're about to go and play the Crusaders uh, yeah. in Christchurch. So you'd argue they're probably going to win that. And we'll, and talk, we'll talk about this game, but I think the Crusaders, if they can upset them, then I give them you know, some chance of doing something in the finals. I can't see it happening, though. Just the way they're playing, they're losing games at home that they should be winning. Yeah. And that's, you know, this is something the Brumbies are doing. They're winning at home. They're winning these tight tussles. Um, they're not making mistakes at, at crucial times. And the Rebels are. They're probably not the mature team that we thought they would be and they're not closing games out. Whether they're still a year away from getting that maturity and yeah. that ability to yeah. close out games, especially at home. This is their window though and we know they're having financial struggles. We're not sure whether even Genia and Quay will be around next year. So they need to take this opportunity because mm-hmm. at the moment they have the depth. They have a good forward pack. They have a, as we've said, a Rolls-Royce backline. They need to unleash that. They need to hold the ball. In this one they were kicking too much. And I think it limited their opportunities. Probably positives. As you said, DHP was all right, but probably outplayed by Beal. Marika Korobiti, involved in everything in this one. Uh, boys, there was a bit of controversy. Him getting a bit of a streak down the sideline at full pace. Rona coming across for the cross tackle and what people are describing, a bit of a shoulder charge from Rona. Uh, saved the try. Did get looked at, did get penalised. Should it have been anything more? I don't think so. I think he was lucky that Marika came at him and really put the impact to Rona. 
Um, Rona was poising, he was tucked to, to put the shoulder in. Marika caught, caught him a bit off guard and probably saved him from getting that card. Marika had just straightened down the line and Rona had hit him as planned. I think Marika would have gone flying and maybe Rona would have got a yellow. So you never know, it could have been a penalty try as well. So exactly. it wasn't a smart move by Rona, he's lucky to get away with it. Yeah, it's, for me it's all that, you see them prop and tuck that arm. Um, I think that's a pretty dead giveaway what they're going for. Uh, but yeah, maybe a sort of contributing factor to why Rona wasn't sent off was, was the way Marika came back at him. And that's a league move. I mean, they're yeah, used yeah. to doing that it's in league. It's very, like you break it down. Yeah, but two NRL guys, you know, they, they knew what was coming. Mm. I just think Rona, as the bigger guy, probably should have made a bigger hit really. Marika did really well to stay in, in the field of play. Um, but yeah, just he needs to be better than that. If he wants to play for the Wallabies... He needs to make a copybook tackle around the legs and get the job done properly. Do you think he's got any chance of playing for the Wallabies? I think he's been showing some really good form lately and he's got that starting spot back. I still think it's probably a bridge too far at this point. But um, we were talking about the, the wingers that are standing up in Super yeah. Rugby at the moment. It's not many of There's them. not that many of them. We have Marika, I think we'd all agree, is standing up a little bit. Jack Maddox has been very quiet for the good part of the last month. Yes. Tied to the Rebels' success, maybe. I, I still think there's definitely a chance that someone like Reese Hodge gets plonked on the wing. Oh, definitely. So, I or mean, got, even. So yeah, guys who aren't necessarily playing wing, yeah. but are kind of too talented to leave out your side, and particularly when they add um, a really good boot and you've, you pick Corabiti who doesn't add a good boot, you want that extra man at the back mm -hmm. who can really hoof it upfield, and DHP and Hodge both give you that. So you had Cam Clark... He was invited to the Wallabies camp. He's kind of on the fringe of selection. I think he has potential, but I'm not sure he's ready. Rona's come back into form. Henry Spate's come back into form. But really, if we're looking at out-and-out -out wingers, we're looking at Naivalu, we're looking at Korobiti, and then we're looking at these utility guys that can cover one wing, which I think is going to end up happening if they put Bill at the back. So we don't need so many specialist wingers. I think probably you're going to look at Maddox, Naivalu, and Korobiti as your probably three more specialist wingers. I don't think Rona will be able to force his way in there. Yeah, it then comes down to those guys like Henry Spade, Tony Pulu, Curtis Rona, or Cam Clark. That's, that's who we forgot, Tony Pulu. And Archie's got big wraps on him. I'm kind of coming around. He's talking me around to him. You know, I was concerned that him coming from the Chiefs, coming over from New Zealand, he signed a contract with Rugby Australia and whether they're promising things he hasn't earned yeah. yet. That was my concern. But I think he is playing well. He's one of the quickest guys in Australia. Um, on the wing there. So he might be the guy that you bring in after those three. Maybe, yeah. Um, and I, that's what I would do personally after seeing him play on the weekend. I think Rona probably, you know, he's had that experience with the Wallabies, but I don't think he's really earned that spot this year. Mm. All right, let's keep moving. Next up, we head over to Prince Chichibo in to Tokyo and we had the Brumbies. And look, they wasn't the easiest of wins. It was a little bit more hard fought, but they still came out with a bonus point. 42 points, 19. Brumbies lengthened their lead in the Australian Conference. And the little one is expressing a little bit of happiness with, with that result for the Obvious, Brumbies. Obviously a Brumbies fan. Obviously. Well, she's happy they got the bonus point, so... Exactly. Like, a, like a poppy. He's a Brumbies fan. Um, look, with the Brumbies... I thought they'd get this done a little bit easily. I think the Sunwolves probably played above what we thought they would. There were a lot of changes in that lineup, um, but the Sunwolves can surprise you. So 
I think they kept it close early and Masarewa was playing out of his skin. A couple of good, um, you know, involvements yeah, there. his try, just running through people. And yeah. Great fans. Continue to develop and I, I've never really been a, a fan of Masarewa. I always thought he was very um, up and down with and no consistency, but he's really stringing some games together and hopefully he gets a contract after, he, you know, the Sun will finish up because he's, he's really starting to show some of his talents there. Well, hopefully we might see him in the World Cup somewhere for, for Fiji potentially. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Australia have to face Fiji first round so he could open up like a can of, I don't know. Whoop-ass. Whoop-ass, who knows? He can open his own can of whoop-ass. But, um, look, the Brumbies, I think they, they would focused enough for this game. They put the points up. Probably a bit similar to the Rebels. They probably didn't make it look as easy as the Rebels did here, but um, look, I'm confident they can continue on their way. And and this this week's going to be more of a test. But oh, definitely. yeah, I think the Sunwolves look. They're still doing enough um, to show that they do have a lot of talent there. But and they're performing for the crowd, the home crowd. That they've had yeah. big crowds there in Tokyo for them. So. That's a much nicer sort of result. The issue, the issue they have is motivation. Um, but if these guys are, like we talked about, if they're playing for future contracts, they still have individual yeah. motivation there. And we still don't know. The Summers could be around next year. So we can't write that off as well. Uh, technically, they will be around next year. We'll it's see whether just the amount of changes, I think. It, there's a lot of disruption to their lineup, And mm. I'm not surprised that they, they lack a bit of that consistency because well, of that. If you think about the team that they could have had this year, and we've seen most of the Japanese internationals not playing for them. We have seen this game, Salmaki coming back onto the wing. We've only seen him in one or two games previously. Matsuwara at 15 has been playing well. You put Lafelli came back on off the bench, who was one of their best players last year, one of the good defenders at, at 13 for Japan. And they don't have people like Michael Leach. Amanaki Maki hasn't really been there either. And a lot of their big second rows like him and I... Dead quirk. You can put a few a much better team on the park than what the Sunwolves have been putting on. At I the think moment. if if you looked at their squad, which I think they've used over forty players or something, maybe even more. Yeah, I think if it's we more had that. as a coach, if we had everyone fresh, every, any everyone available at any one time, I think we could pick a really competitive lineup. Yeah, I don't think they've ever been able to pick their absolute best lineup. Exactly, um, and that's a problem. I mean, that's some of the things you got to deal with being in Japan and some of these guys playing in the top league there. Yeah. That's going to be a problem next year as well because it's streamlined actually with mm. Super Rugby. So a lot of these guys, they'll either be playing half and half or not playing for the Sunwolves at all if they still exist. So yeah. it's not a great... Um, I guess for players who want to go and play in Japan, it's all or nothing now. I think from next year, they're not going to be able to straddle each team. No. Um, so yeah, things are going to change a little bit. But Brumbies, look, I'm happy with their performance. You know the bonus point, you can't ask for yeah. too much more than that. They're, they're confident right now, their team's happy, they're winning at home, they're getting it done away as well, and, and I think they're, they're, gonna be for the they're the former Australian team, and they deserve to be there, unlike and, the Rebels. And congratulations to Connell McInerney, who got the second half hat-trick coming as the reserve hooker, I'm sure, for Lau Fying, I wish at least one or two went, went back to him, because he's had a little bit of quiet form with other teams learning to defend them all a little bit better from the Brumbies. Mm. Um, we'll keep going, and we had the Reds game on Saturday night, and the Haguaras, who obviously we saw them take down the Tars, we've seen them take down the Hurricanes, obviously a team that's going from strength to strength, especially on tour, knows how to win, uh, came into Suncorp, and I think we expected it to be an easier game for them than what it was. The Reds actually stood up for a fair amount of time in this. They were holding the Hags at bay. 
uh, a few sneaky little uh, kicks, the kicks off the ground, showing the soccer skills really helped the Haguaras. Uh, but they they stayed in it, and the Reds, although they went down in this game, 23-34, to 34, uh, Karevi came out in the end, and he said he was really proud of the boys, and I think they did show something in this game. They showed um, a lot of guts and a lot of heart to, to stay in it. Yeah, and Karevi particularly disappointed right there at the end. He was interviewed at the end of the match and he'd thrown the pass that was intercepted for the Jag- uh, the Haguaras to really blow the score out a bit. That was a promising attacking raid that could have potentially got them the win uh, had it come off, but unfortunately he, th- he threw it into the hands of one of the Haguaras outside backs and away he went, went the length of the field near enough. So, um, yeah, really good. Again, they don't say it, but... It's the young red side. They're they're putting in a valiant effort. They're not losing confidence. Um, I think we saw a bit more of the Karevi and Fawai Sortia combination in this game. There's there's lots of things that they can talk about being positives. Their season is is now more or less over. There's there's no real way for them to work it back into the finals. But uh, plenty of them have played their way into Wallabies contention, and I guess that's mm. that's the thing they need to be considering. Um, playing playing Brad Thorne's script and, and showing that confidence and fight all the way through to the end of the round so they can get a get a hot run straight into the Wallabies camp. What's one player in this Reds team that's come out this year that you think's a future Wallaby, even if it's not for this year, this World Cup? Tate McDermott. Tate McDermott. Tate McDermott is a gun, and we will see him after this World Cup. He's he's not going to even see him in the World. Oh, Cup yeah, absolutely. Well. I would actually possibly. I would possibly take him as my third halfback. I I think unfortunately it's inevitable that Phipps is number two to Genia, um, but Tate McDermott absolutely deserves to be in there. I think it could be a bit early. Like I don't like them to throw them in there for the experience necessarily because um, if they're not ready and you have a real catastrophe, then that's not really good planning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, he's got a very bright future. He's he's risen above a lot of the other young halfbacks. He's he's held off a lot of people at the Reds, really. I mean, you've got Sarovi and Tuttle was in there somewhere once upon a time, and they actually yeah, had another guy coming off the bench this week uh, who played all right. And and no, Tate McDermott is definitely one for the future. For mine, look, I still like the look of Dalgunu with a bit more time, but I also someone that's caught my eye that's probably a bit early as well. Angus Blythe, I think he's got a lot of potential there. But the Reds are packed full, even someone like Liam Wright. I don't know if you've mm. you got some good pilfers in this game. Um, but there's there's a lot of talent there. And there's a lot to talk about, I think, in years to come. And it may just be a little bit early for quite a few of these guys. Yeah, I, look, the name I was thinking I was going to say as well was Angus Blythe. Uh, I've been really impressed with him coming in, replacing Harry Hawkins, obviously, after the suspension. And... Uh, even this week, I think he's held Hawkins out of his normal sort of spot. Yep. But it's another young guy, big guy, looks like he's got the right frame, he's got the right mindset for uh, super rugby, if not international rugby. And it's really good to see we've struggled in the past with lock stocks uh, in, in Australia and we have a good core now and we're looking like we have a really good core coming up in the future. Now we almost have too many to pick from, and I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think across the Super Rugby franchises, the the Waratahs do need some more locks. So it might actually be a good thing to spread out some of that talent um, so that they're not missing game time. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of talent there for the Reds. I think just give it another year or two, and we're really going to be talking about them as maybe the premier team in Australia. It's just going to take some time. Mm. 
So let's go on to the other games and let's fly straight through a few of these. A few results unexpected, but uh, for the most part, we can sort of rush through them. First was Friday night and the Blues taking on the Bulls and we had another draw in 2019. It seems like this year we've had draws than if, in more games than we've had probably in the last two or three years put together, I think. Mm. Uh, but the Bulls, again, didn't have the strongest team, didn't have Andre Pollard at the at the helm leading the round, had Marnie LeBoc, but he proved enough. The Blues just unable to convert the majority of possession, majority of territory in this, and a late try in the 75th minute from LeBoc gets them the draw 22-all. Yeah, it makes you think if Pollard actually had been playing, they probably would have got this one. Um, I think he's got the talent to really direct them around like a premier fly half, and they, they probably would have come through with a W in Eden Park, but he's back this week. We know that. We've had a look at the team sheets. For some reason, Marnie LeBoc got two games in a row. That's fair enough. He seems like a decent player, but probably not the class of Andre Pollard. The Blues, up and down again. You just don't know which team you're going to get. They've got plenty of talent there, um, and it's not even really a case that they're too young. I just don't think that they can string performances together yet. I mean, Liam McDonald must just be content. Yeah, to be so much frustration. So. He was supposed to come in this year and maybe change the fortunes a little bit, and there were a few glimmers of hope earlier in the year, but he's more or less suffered the same pain of what Tyler Munger must have been experiencing last year. I think they've come a little... You know, they've come a little bit down the road, but they're, they're probably not quite as far as we thought they would be, given their roster. We'll preview games in a second and talk about some of the changes they've made, but that might be a problem as well. Um, they really haven't had a lot of consistency, particularly in that forward pack. They're moving guys around. Mm. Um, and they still are missing guys like Tuanafaki to start at loose head. Sonny um, Bill Williams. Sonny Bill Williams has been missing for most of the season. Um, so they haven't had a full string lineup really, maybe apart from the first couple of weeks there. Um, so not not playing to their full potential, but again there are glimmers of hope. I think I think Leon McDonald is the right guy for to coach this team going forward. Mm. But yeah, I think he probably just needs more time in the role to really get these guys on the the right path. Let's get to probably the biggest surprise in round sixteen, and that was in front of a sellout crowd up in Suva in Fiji, and the Chiefs come out of nowhere and take down a full-strength Crusaders team. 40 points to 27. Really, the Crusaders didn't, couldn't do anything after about the 42nd minute. They scored their last sort of point. And then, yeah, the Chiefs came out and, you know, put together three tries. Jack Debrasini in there at 10, the former Rebels. Uh, he's finally got a bit more of a chance there at fly half, and he's directing his team around well. Yeah, very happy for Jack. He's, he's got his opportunity finally, and he's taking it with both hands. Um, Chiefs, look, they play well. In Fiji, they've done this for a couple mm-hmm. of years. They lift. Um, they've got a lot of local fans there, and even though it's a team that again has had plenty of disruptions, and you're playing the premier team in the competition, they are able to get it done and score plenty of points on a Crusaders team that doesn't generally leak that many points. So great performance from them. Still really fighting hard to make the playoffs, and I think they're still confident they can be there and they deserve to be there. So. It's going to come down the last couple of weeks here to see if one of these South African teams drop out and the Chiefs can really claim maybe the 8th or 7th or 8th spot mm. there for the playoffs. Yeah, it's still so tight. Um, like, and, and actually, I think I had a quick look at the upcoming schedule and there's only a couple of teams playing within their own conference. So I guess the, the better team can still, can still win their way through. Mm. They're, not, they're not going to get... Um, won out by their own conference. I think it was the Bulls has two two games against South African sides. 
Oh, no, not the Bulls. The No, the Sharks, that's right. Um, if you're going to go and, and win home and away against teams in these other conferences, you can definitely beat teams that are going to take your spot. You can you can move up the ladder over the top of them. Well, this is the worrying thing because Chiefs are in ninth and they have the Rebels and the Sharks in front of them. Sharks are playing two teams within their own conference, so uh, could sort of drop out. But the Chiefs only have one game left, and it's versus the Rebels, the other team there. Mm-hmm. And the Rebels are going and playing the Crusaders and then playing the Chiefs. So if we're predicting a loss for the Rebels... It may come down to Rebels versus Chiefs in that final round for who takes the eighth spot. Very similar wow. to last year when they were versing the Highlanders to try and make it into the playoffs again. And it's keeping things interesting. I, I've seen, I mean, I think this is the most parody we've seen in Super Rugby um, probably since it began, um, which is exciting and it really does come down to the last few weeks. We don't have things decided already, like often you will kind of know the, the playoff picture. Right now, things can happen, things are going to move around still. And there's some big games coming up. I think, as, as you say, like there's definitely been more upsets and, and maybe you look at the table, it looks like there's more parity across teams. But a big factor in that is this resting of players and some funny upset results. Some teams have lifted, whether they've been strong or not, won games we didn't think they'd win, uh, even under strength. But it's going to be very hard to look at sort of last season, this season, next season. Yeah. Um, well, I guess next season will be the exodus of a lot of senior players. It. might actually be the bigger effect. But this year has been an odd one. And well, I, think, I just like to say my get, tipping is reflecting that. What's come down to I think the teams have really struggled to know when to rest the players. I think yeah. the way they've done it has been curious in a lot, of, a lot of ways, particularly the Australian teams. You've got the Waratahs now who haven't rested players they were meant to. And so they're really putting everything into this Brumbies game coming up. And it may mean that when they play the Highlanders last round, if they still have a chance to get in the playoffs, they may still have to rest four or five of their key guys. That's a bit of a nightmare. They could go against what Rugby Australia want them to do and be punished and play them, or they kind of have to fall into line, maybe lose that game by 20 and, and miss the playoffs. So it hasn't been the great, greatest management, I think, with some of these teams resting guys at the right time. Um, probably no best for next time in four years' time, but you're right with the exodus next year. It's, it's going to be very, very... It's going to yeah. really disrupt things, I think. Maybe a fact that we don't have any of those Northern Hemisphere coaches that have to deal with this sort of larger number of games in their sort of leagues and are more used to rotating players and choosing the right sort of games to... The greatest thing with them is that they have... A lot of these big teams like Saracens or Leinster or, or whoever, they have 50 players in their squad. Mm. So they're, they've been training together all year. They've got a lot of depth there. So the, the amount of games... It does come into play, but they've got that squad there to deal with that, and they don't tend to have the same size of squads here in Australia, and I think for the rest of the Super Rugby teams, they, they work with a smaller squad, and this is kind of something that I think has been the most pronounced since I've paid attention to Super Rugby. I think resting wasn't such a factor in no. previous years, but it's probably going to pay dividends, hopefully, come to the World Cup. You've got your best players there. People haven't been injured, um, and their workload's been managed mm-hmm. well. There's only two other games we need to talk about in this round, and those are the two South African games. Uh, the Sharks taking on the Hurricanes in Durban, and they went down uh, 30 points to 17. Bit of the Barrett show going on here, especially in the first half, but that takes a hit. As I said, Sharks sort of moving, dropping down to eighth spot, at risk of missing sort of the postseason here. And then the Lions at home rebound a little bit, as we thought they probably would uh, versus Stormers team that has been sort of a little bit of inconsistency there. 41-22, to 22, the Lions make a really sort of good win out of this one. 
Yeah, and missing Khaleesi and Detoy there, I think, for the Stormers. So we kind of predicted that would happen. Um, but yeah, you can never really make too many assumptions with these South African teams in derbies, as Leo knows. Yeah, yeah, terrorising. But I mean, the Lions, to be honest, I didn't expect them to win by anywhere near this many, particularly because they um, they they lost Yanchis. Yeah. So he he wasn't there. They were they were instead playing Reynolds. Yeah, widely either. Yeah, in the half. So I, I think I, t- I, def- I tipped the Lions because I went the home team, but I had them by about. I think I tipped them by one because I was completely yeah. uncertain. And they, they really put it together. And the Stormers, very up and down, strong at home, seemingly stronger against um, their their travelling opposition than, than the South African conference teams. And in a crazy year where the Lions were in last place in the conference, now they've shot up to second in their conference. Um, who knows? Will they make another run for the final? Do you reckon they can do it and make four in a row? I don't think so. If they don't have home ground advantage, I don't think they're going to be able to yeah. um, consolidate a little bit of season. I think... Unless the Hagiwaras fall off, which I don't think they will, um, they're going to keep that home ground advantage on top of the South African conference. And that's, that's why I think we were talking about it before, Arch. I think we're, we're both thinking it could be a Hagiwaras and Crusaders final, perhaps in Christchurch, if um, home field advantage really comes into play again like it has in the last few years. Mm, but that would be even better because the Hags have proven they're a team that can play just as well on the road as well. Mm, they're an exciting team. So it's good to see. I think the Lions have had their time. It's unfortunate they couldn't capitalise on three finals in a row and losing all of them to New Zealand opposition, but we know how hard it is to win against those Kiwi teams. I think we've picked the eyes out. Of, like the, the Haguar is definitely the form team of the South African Conference and, and looking very strong no matter if they're home or away. And anyone who will have to play them overseas is, is going to suffer that long travel. They're, they're about the fourth favourite in the, in the bookies' eyes. Uh, the Brumbies sitting just above them, which is, which is good, I think. Brumbies with home field advantage is a very strong position, but they're probably going to find themselves uh, travelling after their first home match because they're likely to come in third overall. Um, And then, interestingly, I just noticed the Sharks are actually the next most favoured South African team, even though they sit down at eight uh, currently. So um, someone's someone's got big tickets on them, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Kerwin-Bosch factor is a big part of that. I think they're forwards, their depth, and... Yeah, like you say, Kerman Bosch leading a pretty talented backline around. The Sharks, even though they sit further down the South African Conference, I think that you know they've still got a lot of threats there. And Hurricanes as well, let's not forget them. Um, they're second favourites at the moment. Whether they can kind of, their forwards can step up and, and give the platform for those backs, we'll have to wait to see. Hot tip, Toby, who you put some money on now. Are you going anywhere other, the than final? The, other than the Crusaders? I think even though the Crusaders have been vulnerable, they've had some weird draws. They've had just a oh, recent loss, obviously, loss. to the Chiefs. Lost to the Waratahs? Yeah, I, I don't really count that because Richie wasn't there and I just think it was early on in the season they, they hadn't got going yet. I still think they will bring it together and they will win um, the title. Uh, but I'd like to see the Hurricanes... Um, I don't know if they can actually meet the Crusaders in the final... Um, yeah, I think the, Cru- the Crusaders are still the pick for mine. Um, Haguar is interesting, though. I'd like to see them get some finals time and perhaps upset some teams there. Yeah, interesting. Let's, let's just jump straight into round 17 and get our picks going here, boys. We have um, the Highlanders and the Bulls starting off on Friday night, and we actually have the teams we can look at a little bit here, but the Highlanders coming off the bye, not always a good thing, and the Bulls pretty desperate I think to 
get a win here to try and keep their finals hopes alive at the moment because uh, the losses and the draws uh, in the last couple of weeks haven't really been helping them too much. Yeah, it's been a fairly long tour for them at the moment and they've, like you say, they've sat out Andre Pollard for a couple of weeks. Highlanders, though, you know, they do play well at home. Hopefully they, I think they've welcomed back. Like Liam Squire is coming back, yep. They've got a few key-ins. Um, just having a quick look at their lineup. Um, look, they're missing Vermeulen. The the Bulls are missing Vermeulen off the off the back three. So yeah. Other than that, they're looking fairly strong. But oh, I'd be saying the Highlanders. Yeah, I I would I would agree with you, Lee. I think the Highlanders definitely look. I think it'll be a competitive game again. So you can see what the Bulls can do in New Zealand. They can still score points. I think in Dunedin, I still think the Highlanders. With a bit of home ground advantage. That's it. Um, this. Under the roof as well. I mean, they'll get it'll the be ball. Dry. It'll be dry. They'll be able to yeah. to swing it wide. And, and they've got still... some exciting people like Rob Thompson, C.O. Tompkinson in their centres and Naholo's back now yeah. um, as well to give a little bit of a bit of a farewell tour really for him before he heads off. And they're still... So they've got two home games to finish. I think they're still in contention for finals if things go their way. It might be tough for them but I think they could still technically make it. Um, I think they'll be playing hard. There's a lot of guys there in All Blacks contention as well for some of those fringe spots for the All Blacks. So I'm going to take them, yeah, probably by a try. I don't think it'll be too much, but seven points or so. Highlanders, Leo? Yeah, I'm going to go Highlanders, I think, looking at that lineup, um, I think it'll be close. The Bulls have a lot to play for, and they haven't quite put it together away, but they might be just motivated enough to to steal it but I think still Highlanders yeah home team for me but it's a great way to kick off the weekend and then we head up to Suncorp Stadium and the Reds hosting the Blues here and we mentioned it a little bit before but a fair few changes for the Blues in their pack and in their halves Pulu and Otteri Black coming in to 9 and 10 for them uh, replacing sort of their Ruru and uh, Harry Plummer so few changes for them they don't have their normal captain Patrick Tuapilotu whereas the Reds other than Tate McDermott having a seat out this weekend, uh, they're looking pretty strong and they welcome back people like Harry Hawkins onto the bench and Isaac Rodder into the starting team. Yeah, so Red's still trying a couple of different combinations. They've, they've re- repeated the McGahn at uh, fly half and Hegarty at fullback. Um, Dalguna gets another run. This this team, when when they band together and, and play well, I think they, they can challenge anyone like they almost did the the Haguaras last week. Uh, the Blues away from home being far less consistent. And I think it's it's tricky. Like the home team, in, in the history of these two teams, the home team has regularly won. So uh, I think I'm probably going to take the Reds. I think they're going to really push the end of the season and make sure there's no um, giveaways. It's against the bookies, but I, I'm still favouring the Reds. Well, yeah, I think that's a good pick. Look, I, I'm not happy with this Blues team. I think... They're out of playoffs contention. They've switched up their halves again, which I just I don't like the way they're doing that, moving guys in and out every two or three weeks. Um, Pulu I really like, but I, I think Otero Black should be on the bench. I think Harry Plummer needs more time. These guys in the blues, guys like Papali, talented, comes back in. I just don't like the look of the team, really, overall. I think Duffy was a great player in the last couple of years. haven't seen that much of him this year. And he's probably got not, not enough game time. Reds, though, look, I like the look of their forward pack. I think that's really strong. Um, Rod is going to offer a lot coming back in. 
sad to not see Tate there. Um, and still interested to see how McGann goes now that Hegarty's playing fullback and they've switched that up. I know McGann, he's, you know, that's where he plays in club football, yeah. so that's his natural position. That man booty has just seems to work quite well, actually, in that position. His crossfield kicks have been he, paying off for him a few times, actually, in the last two weeks. Interestingly, he looks like a guy that's unfazed by coming into Super Rugby. Like, he looks ready, I think. We talked about yeah, that composed. a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry, a couple of pods ago. Um, he definitely looks the part for now. He's, he's doing all the right stuff. It was kind of interesting to me that Hegarty had performed well at that 10 position, then they decided to put him back to fullback. I think that might be his preferred position, and I think maybe they think McGann might be a prospect going forward and they want to see how he goes. Great to see those guys back in the centres together there. Some fast guys out wide. I think the Reds can do this in a really narrow win. I'm picking them by three. Look, you convinced me. I think I'd have to pick the Reds on what you guys are saying as well. It sounds like a good argument, and the Blues, as we know, haven't been consistent. There's, I have no doubts that they could come out and do this, but I don't think without the spark of someone like Rico Iwani at White and the changing combinations that they're very likely to do it. Next, we head over to Christchurch, and the Rebels trying to keep their playoff hopes alive, but it's versus the Christchurch team, the Crusaders, that are not going to be liking the fact that they just came off a loss. They're not used to this. Does it rattle them? Does it show a little bit more vulnerability for them? Or are they just going to come out and show that they are still the two times uh, in the last two years champions? I think, if anything, it refocuses them because it's close to playoffs now. It's a business end of the season. Um, they've been a bit up and down this year, and I'm not sure if... you know I don't want to talk about some of the things that have happened in Christchurch, but there was that tragedy. It probably was a distraction. I think some of the results following that weren't that great. They were up and down a little bit. Um, look, I think they'll refocus. I think the Rebels, if they can't win at home against the Tars, I don't really give them much chance without Genia. I think Genia is sitting out this week um, from what we've heard. I think the Crusaders will play a pretty full-strength lineup. I don't think they'll be taking the Rebels lightly. Um, I reckon Crusaders by 10 or more. Yeah, I'm comfortable saying Crusaders, their last round game. They've got the bye in the final round. To be honest, I... I think it's probably the fact that they're so far out in front. They're on 53 points. The next nearest team is the Hurricanes, who they they know um, you know have two games to go and would have to win both those games with two bonus points to beat them, to jump them on the ladder. There wasn't a lot of incentive to win, and if you've travelled to Fiji to play the Chiefs, I can see them taking that in a slightly more relaxed manner and just enjoying the experience and, you know getting involved in the community out there as they did. This game, I think they'll, they'll refocus. They would definitely like the win, but they're probably not feeling as much pressure as all these teams um, challenging for the, the top eight. Um, I definitely think Crusaders will win, particularly without Will Genia, but I, I don't necessarily think it'll, it'll blow out completely. I think the Crusaders will just be happy to stay ahead. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to go against the home team for this. Uh, fourth game of the round, though, is the Waratahs and Brumbies, and that's up at Bankwest Stadium. And uh, this is the Dan Bickerman Cup. Obviously, Brumbies took the first uh, scalp down in Canberra earlier this year, and they did it reasonably convincingly. But the Tars, as we said, are still in with a chance for playoff hopes. They need some results to go their way. Are we going to continue with the home team, boys? The fact that this one's played after the Crusaders' Rebels, the guys will know that result. And if the Rebels have won, the Brumbies will definitely be fired up and motivated to, to try and get a win away from home because the Rebels, they don't want the Rebels jumping them in the conference and, and stealing that home field advantage. 
Uh, the, the Waratahs probably feel like they're out of sorts, but again, if the Melbourne Rebels lose, um, they, they can still control part of their own destiny, get, get ahead of the Rebels, and then at least they might slip into the finals there and, uh, in, the, in the dying stages. But um, to be honest, the Waratahs have just been so pathetic at home in, in recent times, like that. Yeah, zero from two at Bankwest. Yeah, I mean it's not even just the history of Bankwest. Like they lose games they should win or at least be be competitive in, and I think the Brumbies just have it together. I I, I don't have much faith in the Waratahs at all. I think honestly next year is going to be a rebuild phase for the Waratahs. I think they've got to change their philosophy on on who they pull in and and the development of players and take a bit more of a Reds approach would be what I'd prefer, but uh, yeah, I don't think it gets any better for the Waratahs. I'm actually going to go to the Brumbies. Yeah, definitely. I'm on the Brumbies. Uh, I'm looking at sports bet odds here. Brumbies are playing, they're underdogs slightly. They're paying $2 to win. Put your money on the Brumbies. Like, they're, they're a complete package. Um, their forwards should dominate the Waratahs' forwards. That's I think, what they said unlike, about the Rebels last yeah, week. Yeah, unlike the Rebels did. I think the, the Brumbies see this as one of the biggest games of the season. It's a clear rivalry for them. They're coming into the Tars' backyard. They have something to prove. They're topping the, the conference. It's leading into finals. Everything's going right for them at this point, and they want to continue on their path to that home you know, final or semi-final, whatever they tend to get from that. Um, I think, look, Tars, you're never going to write them off, right? They have plenty of Wallabies in there. they got plenty of talent. But I think the Brumbies are a more complete package. They should get this done. It's going to be a real scrap, I think. It's going to be physical. Um, hopefully defence doesn't go out the window, even though from a spectacle point of view it might be better. I think it's going to be a real grind. I think the, the Brumbies are going to keep it in tight and then maybe explode now and then out the back with Spade and, and TK coming through. But give me the Brumbies. Uh, you know, I'll be very surprised if the Tars do it again this week. They keep talking like in the last couple of weeks and last week when they versed the Rebels there's Foley-Cooper sort of rivalry for the Wallabies. Is there any way that we see a bit more of a Leliafano-Foley comparison after this week? We've seen Leliafano be very consistent this year. He hasn't been as up and down. He may not be quite as a playmaker as what we expect from those other two. but he's, He doesn't have a bad game. He takes to the line. He's very direct. Um, kind of like Foley at his best. Really takes it straight to the line really deft passes. Um, there's no questioning he can play at a Wallaby level. I don't think you can pick him at 12, though, so he would be a 10. And I think it'd be a little bit of a risk in a World Cup year throwing him back in at 10 for the Wallabies. But he's probably earned it just as much as Quaid, really, if you look at consistent performances. And look, if he really steps up here against Foley and makes Foley look a bit substandard, that might get the conversation going even more. Yeah, I don't see Leofano, even with a good game, usurping Foley now. But certainly as the as the backup fly half mm. instead of Quaid, because the Reds haven't offered a consistent option. So really it's 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 Waratahs, Reds uh, sorry, Waratahs, Rebels and Brumbies fly halves and ultimately I think it actually now boils down to Quaid versus Leofano, unless they're gonna consider Beal as a backup ten or Hodge as a backup ten or one of these other guys who hasn't been playing that role, which I don't really like. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Leofano should be trying to break into that squad as probably the backup. I think he's probably in the position where 
you know, he, he performs well with the combination, with the style of the Brumbies. He may be seen as a as a strong super rugby player without quite the spark for the international game. You say um, he performs well when he has a good team around him, so that's not quite know. the Wallabies. I think he's not tons of Wallabies games. They what I, what I want to put team, to you, though, so if you say, he was more saying in the style. I think if you're used to having someone like you, Ray Simone and TK next to you, wouldn't it be even better having Lili Afano and Samu and then TK? Yeah, yeah. So I think he actually could have potential playing in that role. Um, but I see what you're saying in terms of taking it to that next it's level. It's definitely a bit more of a wild card because he's not really played with Kenya that much. He wouldn't have played with yeah, Summer Grove. That's the people around him. He hasn't been in with those guys. Yeah. So, so it is... I don't, I don't think the Brumbies' style is that dissimilar from you know a pretty solid all-round international team mm. balance. Like You've got the strong forward set piece that Brumbies obviously have had strength there for a long time, but... They have got some really slick backline moves, which they've looked excellent when they've pulled them off. Some of that's been um, Simone actually as much as Lele Fano in some of those yeah. moves. Um, I think just the way that team has gelled this season is really promising. It, makes, it brings out the best in all those players. Um, I don't think, because of the previous history, you don't have that combination really at all with Genia, and you definitely wouldn't have the, the Brumbies 12 outside. Yes, it will be similar style, but then it's just it's the personalities and the relationships I think that yeah. that's missing, and so that's why he would be a similar shaped piece in that in that position without having the nice sort of tie in to the guys that have been there he, in recent years. He would definitely be a guy though. If, from from my perspective, I would pick Foley. I think he deserves to retain his spot based on his performances. He just makes it in there first choice. I think. If Foley were to go down, particularly during a World Cup, there's no one better than I think of bringing in than Lely Afano because he's a calm head, he's experienced, he's played Northern Hemisphere. He's more comparable to Foley. Well, yeah, probably. He will and fit he, the style of the Wallaby without, without bringing in... He doesn't sort of have some, those errors in his game that Quaid has. But um, he doesn't have the... the X-Factor. Yeah, I don't like using X-Factor, but it's, it's that vision for the really kind of unusual or the not the trick play but like the the high risk high reward stuff which Quaid has pulled off with the Rebels at times but not consistently and I don't think Quaid looks like a consistent option he may look a bit fragile under pressure he's not he's not shown himself um, in more than one or two games to be able to run down a bit of a lead uh, I think I think Lelefano is probably more balanced in that sense he's, he's less likely to lose his head he'll keep playing yeah. sort of strongly but, but you know he's not going to break open a game quite the same way Quaid would I think the conservative coach picks Alele Fano I think Quaid. the bottom line is he deserves to be in the conversation in the discussion that's what I think yeah. I think the discussion needs to be had and I think hopefully it will be brought to the forefront if the Brumbies come out and they really put the task to the sword yeah and because if, if Foley and Beale take control of this game and really dominate the Brumbies at least in the backs he won't be talked about no. you know no. Um, but because there are guys like Samoa there that could play in a similar style there yeah. at 10. Um, but if he wants his opportunity, which I've, I've heard he does, he really wants to be there for the World Cup, given all that he's been through, this is his opportunity when the limelight's on him. Yeah. Let's keep moving, and we head over to South Africa for the um, final three games of this round. And the Lions at home obviously had that strong win, but the Hurricanes have shown that they can play well uh, in South Africa. They are heading up to the high belt, into altitude. 
where they weren't down in Durban. Where are you boys leaning? I'm thinking that the Hurricanes play a comparable game to these Lions. A quick game. They don't have the big forward pack, but the Lions don't really either. So yeah. I'm thinking a lot of points might get scored in this game, yeah, but the Hurricanes might, might just take it. Yeah, I agree. High-scoring game, mobile forward pack, plenty of ball through the backs. I think the Canes, look, if they're serious about being a contender in the finals, they've got to perform in this game. None of this up and down anymore. They've got to be like Crusaders team or, or one of years past that's not, you know, changing game to game. Bowden Barrett's hopefully going to be there. I think he's, you know, if he's gone, then the Hurricanes generally don't play that well. He's central to their success. I'm taking the Canes. I think it's going to be one of those games you want to watch, but I think the Canes by 10. Yeah, and the the two teams assuming the standard lineups are, are what we see there's a lot of focus from the south african sides including the lions on on uh, ripping the ball in the tackle and both these sides have you know pretty strong um pilferers at the ruck like the your, your prototypical number sevens and and you got malcolm marks who get in there at the ruck uh i can see a lot of turnovers which may result in uh a lot of those counters you know flinging it wide and trying to just outflank the other team before they get set as their as their change from offense into defense. I think the Hurricanes are probably on their day are more proficient in that turnaround encounter. I think they've got more firepower there and a, a bit more poise definitely from Bowden Barrett than Elton Yanchi. So I think the Hurricanes as well. Um, but my range for this game is very broad. Like it could be it could end up being a lot of points to the Lions if they have their day. Equally it could blow right out for the Hurricanes. So in terms of tipping, I'm probably going to tip somewhere down the middle and hope that the mm. the range of the margin picks me up. But you're picking... I'm picking uh, the Hurricanes. Mm. But if you're actually putting money on it, maybe not pick a winner, just pick the over. Yeah, it'd be interesting Definitely. to see what the line is for this one. You'd have to think the over is going to be... Oh, the, the line's going to be total points 60. Or it can be something like that. Um, because both these teams can turn it up. Altitude as well... They're predicting it's quite a narrow line. Oh, not yeah, the line, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the 60 in terms yeah, of total points. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, 60 points. But that would mean still 30-ish points each. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking four, 30 Four points. tries and a few... And neither of these teams kick a lot of penalties. Like, yeah. the Hurricanes will, if they it's a bit close, they'll, they'll knock a few over and, and they'll do it from the range. Risk, yeah. The risk is if the Hurricanes tie late, the Lions can creep up on you and score a lot of points late in games. Um, so altitude may be a factor, as we've talked about um, at length. But, yeah, I think the Canes are good enough here. The Lions win through their set piece and forwards. That's the Hurricanes' weakness. If the Lions can really roll that mall off, off line-outs, yeah. they used to do it that way. We've seen teams tear them apart. But if they can do that, I think that's their key to victory. Stormers, Sunwolves. Don't need to talk too much about this, I reckon. But no. back in Newlands, the Stormers... You think they're definitely going to be favourites versus Sunwolves team travelling to South Africa. Look, they're $1.04 favourites. They need to win this with a bonus point, really, to have any option of trying to get into the postseason, but likely two teams that won't feature. I hope Wasiatho's back, um, but I hate to think of his kind of nights out in Cape Town and how much he's going to enjoy himself over there. It's going to be a lot of fun times, I think, for the Sunwolves in their second last game of the year. Mm. Um, Stormers will be refocused after a pretty hefty loss to the Lions. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Stormers. Stormers. And last game of the round, Hagiwari's get to return home after a successful tour. And the Sharks heading over 
to Argentina and the Hangaros get these two last games to be at home. So a really nice run for them back in. But we have seen them struggle at points at home and back at versus the Sharks who have played them earlier this year and the Hags actually dominated them in Durban. The Sharks would be, probably be looking for a little bit of revenge. Can they get it though? No. No, I think the Hagiwaras, even though they, they've been on tour, they've performed strongly, they've got confidence. Assuming they're not resting any key players and they put out a strong front, I think they've definitely got the ability to, to knock these Sharks over. I, I don't think they'll lift enough in this game. I think it'll be high scoring and a bit one way. Yeah, speaking of rest and rotation, I think if anyone, the, the Haguaras have got it pretty spot on. Mm. They seem to rest uh, you know, the right guys versus the Waratahs and then versus the Reds. Um, I've been really impressed with them. I think they'll be targeting this game as a, a really challenging one. Sharks have a big physical forward pack, um, but the Hags are, are not short of you know those kind of number six guys that are six foot three hundred and ten kilos. They can find them from anywhere, and I think that they're going to be right up for the challenge. I can see mm-hmm. the the Jags winning this, but I think it'll be a really really physical game, um, entertaining, and I think they'll get up by maybe narrowly five points or so. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be tight, but. Jags should get it done and hopefully keep rolling into the final. Nine points in, I reckon. But um, the Hags, obviously, six points clear of the Lions in their own conference and they get to play the Sunwolves in the last round. So it's not a game to rest people. Next round, you have a bit more of a easy one to rest a few people in. And if you win this one, you're pretty solid that you're not going to be unseated anyway from your position. Okay. There's no chance they can pass the Crusaders, no, that's impossible. So no. I was thinking maybe if they got two bonus point wins, they could um, go past the Crusaders, given this is their yeah. last game. But The only the risk is that the Brumbies win and then win next week and maybe take second position, and maybe that's who they're looking at potentially meeting, and it's versus a semi-final in South America versus semi-final in Canberra. Yeah, but like you say, this is the, the last big, big game they yeah. have that's before it. the finals. That's it. I think they'll they'll get this. They'll have confidence they can get this done and hopefully get next week done, even if it is with a slightly second string team. Yeah, exactly. Look, that's all we have from round seventeen. A few other things happening over the weekend. We had a rapid rugby again, continuing on. Uh, We had the Western Force back in Perth and taking on uh, Kogifa Samoa, and what was a bit of a blowout here. Samoa only getting the one try, sixty-three to five. No power tries in this, but. If you do have a set, go and watch the Samoan try that they got. Break down the blind side and a bit of a Superman dive over the sideline, throwing the ball back to one of his teammates. It was a great try by Samoa. Unfortunately, they only got the one. Um, the Western Force get a rest this weekend as Samoa and Fiji continue on this Pacific showcase. Uh, this is Samoa's home game, but they're actually playing in New Zealand this Friday night. So hopefully it will be another good turnout. Uh, for these games, uh, they tend to be pretty high scoring and pretty entertaining in any case. Yeah, and the Western Force keep rolling. I think I kind of alluded to that. I thought they'd really do well this year in rapid rugby and maybe even be undefeated. So it's looking that way. Yeah, they've got one good. more game. Um, who knows what rapid rugby is going to hold next year? But we're kind of waited with bated breath to see what how many other teams are going to come into this competition. Yeah, be interesting. Other news in the MLR. Major League Rugby in America, regular season has finally finished. A really long series, actually, uh, for these. But 
we've been mentioning it on and off, and the two teams that were really sort of in front for a lot of this was San Diego Legion and Nola Gold, which I think Leo uh, is a big fan of. But unfortunately, just at the end there, Nola Gold fell off a little bit, and so haven't made the postseason. The top four teams uh, in one, San Diego Legion, two, the Seattle Sunwolves, the champions from last year, and then two actually expansion teams round out the top four with the Toronto Arrows and New York Rugby Union. So this Sunday where you'll see the Legion take on New York and Seattle Seawolves take on the Toronto Arrows. So it's going to be an interesting finish off for these. And the interesting thing is you could have those two expansion teams into the final. How about that? So that's... A Toronto final. Yeah. Toronto versus New York. Bit of a rivalry there and, you know, close by in terms of vicinity and... I think, look, these two teams coming in and making the top four in their first years, pretty impressive. Um, lots to come from MLR. I think they're going to continue to expand. They're going into maybe Washington. Yeah, and Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, there's and plenty New of England as well. There. New England as well. Um, the Flapjacks. No, the Jacobites. Like yeah, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> they, they know how to pick a name in, in these competitions. You never know what they're going to go with. Mm. Um, yeah, and you can stream a lot of these games live on Facebook, um, so no cost to the viewer, and I'm sure at, at some stage they'll come onto Foxtel or something like that, so they'll be more readily available. Another week, big weekend, boys. We're heading up for the Brumbies game at Bank West, so hopefully a good crowd turn up. Hopefully we'll see a good sort of game, even if we don't get quite the win for the Tars, but... Brumby's obviously rolling towards the final. Yeah, let's hope the weather holds out and we don't get too much rain and it's a dry track and we see some good expansive play. Like I said, I think it could be a bit of a grind here, but it's an important game for both teams, so they'll be right up for it. Yeah, I think they'll have to throw it around to try and break open the opposition and at least that, that'll be a good spectacle. Waratahs, if they're not in the lead, still playing for spots in that, in that Wallaby squad and there's a lot of guys who, you know, there's a lot of back rowers and there's... Um, a lot of uh, guys out in the out wide in the backs who are trying to find their way into a, a squad where there's probably only you know four or five in that in that position, so plenty to play for, even as an individual, not just as a team. At Running Rugby Podcast is where you can find all our accounts on social media for Facebook and Instagram. A lot of good stories and things pop up during the week. Then we did finalise our Wallabies or your Wallabies team picks over this last week, and they've just been posted up. Interesting selection. We might go through that next week with our our own preferred team, and you can see what's on there at Twitter, at the Running Rugby Pod, and you can obviously download us from Apple iTunes, as well as Spotify and Stitcher, all the major platforms. Make sure to let your friends know. Toby, Leo, it's been a pleasure to have you in next to us. It's been good, boys. And Arch, I just want to thank you for all your hard work um, over last year and this year. You do all the editing, you put in the time, mate, and we appreciate that, so thank you. Good work, Arch. Keep on producing. We're too hopeless to do it. <laughs> I'll <Yeah>. keep... <laughs> Intentionally not learning how to do it. I'll keep on producing. You guys keep on running. Run.